care about me Why you got to give me a fight Can't you just let it be Hi, this is Kenny Loggins, and you're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. Our guest this week is back for a return visit because he's a great raconteur, a wonderful entertainer, and because we were hoping he'd bring us a little Danish or some cake or something. He's an occasional actor and director, a multiple Emmy-winning comedy writer and producer, and the creator of an iconic television comedy, The Long-Running Everybody Loves Raymond, a show that took home an impressive 15 Emmy Awards, and I was never on it once. He's also the creator and host of two terrific docu-series about his love of food and foreign cultures. PBS, I'll Have What Phil's Having, and the Netflix hit, Somebody Feed Phil, a show that takes him from Bangkok to Buenos Aires in uh, currently filming its third season. In a busy and prolific career, he's worked with Tom Hanks, George Clooney, Norman Lear, Martin Short, Carl Reiner, Robert Mitchum, Elaine May, and even former President Bill Clinton, among dozens of others. But more importantly, he knows where to find a good egg cream. We're thrilled to welcome him back to the show direct from his sold-out appearance at Weinstein's Majestic Bungalow Colony. If you can love a man, we love Phil Rosenthal. I can't believe you got me to come here after that intro of all the things I've done. (laughs) And now I'm here. Hello, Philip. Wow, what an impressive thing. You even recognize the Danny Rose reference in the... You know, uh, I love it. Majestics. That's my favorite Woody Allen movie. Yeah. Broadway Danny Rose. It's a great one. I think of all of them when I think of my favorite. I think it's, if you've ever been in show business at all, I think you know that there's that side to it. Yes. And you you love him for having done, embraced that side. And it's kind of a love letter to that side of show business. Oh, yeah. It really is. It really is. We did a whole episode about it. You did? Yeah. With? We did a just ourselves. We did a a shorter episode. So you like it too. Yeah. Yeah. And we had Will Jordan here. Yeah. Great. And Joe Franklin was here. You know, my, my uh, Morty Gunty lived in my town. I think we talked oh. about this last oh, time. That I, the New City, Tell New us York about was this. that. Well, New City, New York was where the, all the Catskills comics, but the, it was kind of between New York and the Catskills. So it was kind of ideal for them to. So I'm talking about Freddie Roman, right? Morty Gunty, uh, 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 Myron Cohn lived oh, there. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, only the Jewish Corbett ones? Monica? I was just going to say, Corbett Monica. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Jackie Gale. And they all, I, I didn't know Jackie, but yeah. these guys, first of all, they all went to the same temple. 
where <laughs> I was. I mean, there must have been something in the water. I don't know what it was, Great. but they I, – I was very good friends with Freddie's son, Alan Kershaw. Alan, yeah. And, and uh, Morty Gunty uh, had a daughter, Lori Gunty, who I was friendly with in high school. She was a year or two behind me. But then she went to Hofstra University and met my wife now, Monica, and their best friends. Wild. So there's a Dan- there's a personal Danny Rose connection. There is, you. but when I saw that, when I, when you see the George Washington Bridge in that movie, you your heart swells because it's never in a movie. It's always the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. But if you were me, George Washington Bridge is my bridge. Yeah. That's my bridge. So it feels like home movies in a way. Well, you, you know, the way the Sunshine Boys feel. Oh, yes. Like home yes. movies, right? That also embraces that side of show business. Yeah. That, that small... Uh, you know, because so many times movies like to focus on the glamorous side, big stars. But that's 1% yeah. of show business. Yeah. At best. Probably 0.01%. And, and there is that part of show business that people don't realize where some people are just, if they're successful, they're just eking out a living. Trying to get the gig. Yeah. I'll play yeah. Uh, Weinstein's majestic bungalow colony. Does it pay? What <laughs> are they paying? Place. Will they will they uh pay for transportation? Yeah, you know, these are the things you're worried about when yeah, you have they're nothing. Like, they're like seventy and still worried about yes. paying their rent. And so Broadway Danny Rose, for people who don't know, Woody Allen played a character. And by the way, here's another reason I love that movie more than his other movies. He's playing a character that's not yes, quote unquote uh, Woody Allen. The usual Schlemiel. Yeah. He's putting on a voice. Right. Mia Farrow was putting on a voice, right. playing an Italian mall. Right. 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 And the you know the genesis of it. She saw a lady like that in a restaurant yep. and said, "I want to play someone like that." And he wrote the movie. And and it's like, it's funny. Every other Woody Allen movie mm-hmm. now, when he's not in the movies anymore. It's some other actor going, Playing him. well, I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually a nice Gentile young man yeah, like who's Owen putting on. Wilson. Yes, that's right. Or and John Cusack and yes. it's over Broadway. Yeah. And yeah, Owen Wilson. What am I, what am I doing in Paris? Yeah. Henry yeah. Bronner was the strangest <laughs> one. wavy blonde hair. Yeah, that's right. And he's going, but I have to call my therapist. <laughs> And and yeah, oh Kenneth Branagh was, that was in, in celebrity. Scary. Was that celebrity? Yeah, that was the weirdest one. Well, you you have a fondness for these kind of things, these kind of people. I mean, you've had your own lunches, famous lunches with comics. Yes, situations. That and are what I the, love about Danny Rose is that it takes on the quality of a story being told by comedians. Oh, it's great. It has that heightened yes. reality and that, that exaggeration that a comedian would naturally put into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So it takes on a fable quality. And and they they have you know most people have that idea that. If you're in any form of show business, you're a multi-billionaire. Of course. Yeah. And that everyone knows everyone. And yes. That, uh, you know, and he felt so lucky to meet Milton Berle. Yes. <laughs> 50 years <laughs> after Milton Berle was Milton yes. Berle. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we started this podcast, it was almost like, in some ways, it was informed by the Carnegie scenes that Gilbert and I discussed, true? which is yeah. just sitting around and, and kibitzing. With people, Isn't I mean, best, early guests were people like Larry Storch. You know, we had a lot of uh, old time comics at the at the very beginning, and that was part of the conceit of this. Why don't we just sit around and bullshit and tell stories, tell uh, showbiz listen, stories? Twenty five years, we had a group that met at, oh, Victor, did? at Victor's Deli every Sunday, twelve thirty. Who was and in it that was group? Just like that. Well, it was Alan Kershaw, Eddie Gordetsky, Mike Rowe. Uh-huh. You know, you must know I, Mike I know Rowe. Those guys. Oh yeah, no Eddie uh, too. Uh, Eddie. Uh, 
bunch of other guys, Lee Frank, uh, uh, oh my God, so many. And, and you know, special guest stars would come in once in a while. Sarah Silverman, everybody. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And and I what I always think about is like in the Carnegie Deli with the original owners, yeah. uh, they, they would serve Henny Youngman for free all oh, the time, which that- is the way it's supposed to be. And and it's like and that was like you know people go would go in there and they go hey I saw I was sitting uh, a table across from Henny Youngman. You know why the Carnegie Deli could afford to do that? Because they were stealing the gas from the city. Yes, that's why they closed. That's really right. that's yeah. what closed them. Yeah, the city presented them with a bill one day for the stolen oh. gas of forty years, and they oh. said, "Oh, guess what? Uh, we're out of business now." But you know what also happened. I think, I don't know if they switched owners or whatever, but the new owner said, we're going to put a stop to this free lunches for, for the legend. Yeah. I mean, that's what gets brings millions in. You're seeing us, uh, someone from TV. That's the problem with the world is short-term goal. They're not thinking ahead. They just get it now. Wait, yeah. we could save a nickel if we don't give Henny Youngman a free sandwich. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's exactly it. I heard you talking with Leonard about about Broadway Danny Rose on his podcast too, and the story of finding Nick Apollo Forte is also is also kind of fun because Stallone turned him down, which is stunning to do Rhinestone to do Rhinestone Cowboy. Yeah, it would have brought a whole other dimension to Can you Sylvester Stallone's career. Yes, instead he has to play Altacaca Rambo now. Yes, Altacaca. <laughs> it's kind of sad, <laughs> and and it's like. They have, and, <laughs> and with the Rocky movies, he's playing a dying Rocky, each one. Imagine if he had if he had a sense of humor. Yeah. And could have done that part. Now, Nick Apollo Forte happened to be a stroke of genius was. to find this. He yeah. really was. He told his assistant, go down to Colony Records and look through the Italian singers and bring me a stack of records. And this guy had a record. Yeah. He's and I so think Ajita was on it. Yeah. He's so real, it's almost cinema verite when you're watching that movie. It's almost like you're watching a documentary. What happened to him after that movie? I have no idea. He turned up on Joe Franklin. Oh, boy. (laughs) Who didn't? (laughs) Yeah. By the way, brilliant, perfect use of Joe Franklin in Danny Rose. Yes, yes. You are New York. What can I say? Right? Yeah. That's that level of show business. Perfect for that. Yeah. He he nailed it. Everything you could get in that New York midtown area where we are right now. When it, Joe is, Franklin is was on the air, yeah. I thought this is this is a great time to commit suicide. <laughs> was you know three in the morning, time of the night, right? And this yeah, zero budget joke, and and like there'd be an opening montage of photos of him with you know Bob Hope and Jerry Lewis and Bing Crosby, and on the show there would be house painters. <laughs> There was a man, Sri Chinmoy. Sri Chinmoy was a was a was a yoga a yogi and and a you know he he probably a very had has a very serious following of of devotees right, but he says I write you a song Joe, here it is and he pulls out this little thumb piano bling 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 bling. Joe Franklin Joe, Joe Franklin Joe, you are oneness Joe, 
Joe Franklin <laughs> Joe and Joe is sitting there smiling smiling we got to go to a commercial my friends <laughs> we gotta, I love the song it's, it sounds like a hit but I have to go and what I love that Great Joe days. Franklin did is he'd have some like hotel lounge singer and a guy who had who managed a shoe store. Right. And, and he, Neil Diamond. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And he'd get them less in a less. conversation <laughs> right. like I'm going, uh, uh, and you sing, so when you sing, it's important to have nice shoes, right? <laughs> oh, we do those bad segues. Yes. Then yes. You go. Can, yeah. you, can you sing us a song about shoes? Yeah. <laughs> you used to have Morris Katz. Who was the guy that painted with the toilet paper? Do you, oh. remember, do you remember that guy? Oh, no. He would do toilet, he would do paintings. You remember this guy? He would turn up on the that Joe seems Franklin very show. very familiar. Yeah. You know, you. But when you're in college and you're, you're smoking something late at night, oh. there is no oh. better show. There, oh, my God, no. Yeah, that, that, and I always wondered how many people kill themselves <laughs> during Joe Franklin. <laughs> Back to no, that. <laughs> but after, when they go, this concludes our, our broadcast, broadcast day. Uh, that, that, that was a low point for him. That what that had to be. There must have been people shooting themselves. That was the most depressing thing. My parents said I watched so much TV that I would actually watch the flag. Yes. So dun, do dun, dun, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I'm not leaving until they do. Yes. <laughs> and then. <laughs> yeah. And then you wait for it to come back. Yes. These kids don't know how lucky they are. <laughs> I was going to save this question till the end, but Salomon said... But we're, but I feel like it should be the end already. Yeah. <laughs> Gino said, ask him, because you're also you're so into the older comics, ask him if he was going to have one of those famous Phil lunches, like at Arts Deli, or now the Carnegie's gone, obviously, or the Stage Deli. Which three Golden Age comics oh, would that's... he invite? Oh. I think I know one. Who? Well, your favorite, the great one. Jackie Gleason. I would have Jackie Gleason and Art Carney. There you go. Because that was the biggest influence on me as a little kid. I just thought it was... Now, here's a question yeah. for you. Yeah. Do you think Jackie Gleason and Art Carney hated the Jews? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look at the credits for Where that show. Where did you get that? <laughs> I just... Marvin, Look at the Mark, credits Sandy for that Spear. show. Yes. Remember when Red Fox? There's a famous story. Yeah. Oh, sure. yes. Fired yeah. them all, and then I'm and ha- I every- want all black writers now. I want, them. and he got the first script because they these people, not that they're black, or, or they had not written for TV before. Yeah. Okay, he just wanted them because they were yeah. black, and he was going to make a statement. And he read what they did, and he said, "Where are my Jews? Bring me my Bring Jews me back." My Jews back. <laughs> yes. So maybe they did hate them, uh, uh, Art. And uh, Jackie. And Jackie. But they sure work with them. Yeah. They wouldn't have had a show without but, them. But didn't Walt Disney have Jews also working? I with? heard that yeah. that was a fallacy, that Neil Gabler wrote a whole book and researched it extensively, and there's zero proof that Walt Disney was an anti-Semite. Didn't you find out years later that Art Carney liked Raymond and you were thrilled? Yes. To know that? Yes. So there's one Jew he liked. Oh, <laughs> Did you ever reach out? Did you ever want? He was to... nice to me. Hitler yeah. was nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, what makes you? I think... met Hitler. He was nice to me. <laughs> he was nice to me. He said, "How much for that Danish?" And yeah. I, it was it was great. Always very. Polite. Always nice. 
<laughs> what makes you think Gleason and Carney were? I just assumed so. Because they're <laughs> Irish? They're, they're Irish, yeah. I don't know. Or just Gentile. Although my wife is Irish, and there is a case to be made. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bob Hope hated the Jews, didn't he? Bob and Bing. All these people depended <laughs> on them. Yes. Right? Maybe that's Maybe why the they resentment. hated them. But listen, I know Jews who hate Jews. Yeah. <laughs> All the Jewish heads of networks don't want Jews on the network. Oh, yes. Were you casting Raymond? I was told, listen, don't be too ethnic. What do you mean? Wow. Well, Brad Garrett, Doris Roberts, this is, we would like you to go non-ethnic ethnic. ethnic. What the hell does that mean? And 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 they said, so like if you're casting the father, can you do a non-ethnic ethnic? I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And then it turns out that Peter Boyle, is the perfect example of a non-ethnic ethnic. Ah, That's fascinating. Yeah. That's non-ethnic ethnic. Wow. So it says New York without saying Italian or, God forbid, a Jew. And and I I heard, too, that when Mary Tyler Moore was creating her show, she was originally supposed to be a divorced woman. That's right. Yes. And, And what the producer said to her, no, no divorce. Uh, one thing the public hates are divorced women and Jews. That's hysterical. <laughs> and this guy was probably divorced and a Jew. Yes, most, yeah, absolutely. I always thought, wondered if that's how Costanza, Larry David's alter ego, became Italian. Every on, on single person, I hate to blow this for people. Yeah. Every single person on that show was Jewish. Yes. Yeah. And every depiction of the families. We're all Jews. Stiller, Jerry Stiller and Estelle Harris playing what Italians. they called them. I don't care what their names are. All right. Jews. Everyone on Raymond, the yeah. family, this was Jewish, Jewish, Jewish. There's a famous saying, write Yiddish, cast British. Yes. It's, it's because, like could the Costanza family were the Jewish family <laughs> you could ever make. Jerry Stiller, for Christ's sake. Because uh, they're funny. Yes. And, and Louis Dreyfus... Uh, was like the the ultimate Jap playing, you know, uh, Elaine Bennis. You know, Jews are funny. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. That's how it Jews is. Are, I had lunch. I got to have lunch with Carl Reiner and Steve Martin. They're close friends. They filmed lots of movies sure. together, and we're having lunch. And we were. I don't know how this came up. The two thousand year old man and how funny it was. And I don't know. Jewish came up, and I said, uh, I I think what would the two thousand year old Gentile be? And Carl Reiner says, we're here with the 2,000-year-old Gentile. And he points to Steve Martin. Is it true that you were alive uh, 2,000 years ago? And Steve goes, I don't really remember very much about it. (laughs) Fantastic. And it went from there. Fantastic. The unfunniest, driest answer. It was brilliant. Brilliant. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. How on it they were. Ah, right. That's hilarious. <laughs> you had did you have Carl over for one of the movie nights for Dead Men oh, yeah. Don't Wear Plaid? Yeah. How'd that go? He's proud of that one because we had him here, and that's one of the unsung ones that people that's don't right. that don't talk about much. Everyone he's proud talks of about it. the jerk, of sure. course, and all of me, of course. Yes, but that one was a real. That was kind of his young Frankenstein. Really smart. I, I was just thinking about that scene where the girl faints, Rachel and when she Ward. wakes up. He's pushing her yeah. breasts yes. around, yeah. and he goes, I was adjusting your breast 
when you fainted, they became a whole lot of whack. <laughs> <laughs> Probably can't even do that today. No, no. Possibly, right? possibly you can't. not. How could you get a laugh yes. on such a thing? Oh, my God. That right? would be the movie yes. would be banned. Was yes. Carl thrilled that there was a room full of people in your house cavelling about his movie? Listen, he, he, he's so great. He's so, he's such a like understated fella, like your uncle. He's he sweet. feels like your yeah. uncle. But I've been blessed to, to hang with these guys, Norman, him, and they feel like family, you know, and they make you feel like family. And, you know, like Norman and my, my, my daughter, he knows her from when she's two years old, mm-hmm. and they're like, couldn't be closer. Like, she, she, she considers him grandpa, you know? It's unbelievable. That's cool. It's so sweet. And, and uh, you know, I got to hang with Larry Gelbart and Neil Simon and these guys. Amazing. And I would organize dinners with them and Mel Brooks and, and, have the, and they would tell me, we wouldn't have gotten together if you didn't call. Oh, that's, because that's, nobody, oh. when as you get older and separate and everybody goes off and they lose touch, if someone isn't organizing it, they're oh. not doing it. Unless there's a funeral. Yeah. Right. That had to be gratifying for you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. But just to be a fly on the wall. Sure. And at dinner, then Mel says, all right, I got three stories. And there's a dinner of 30 people. <laughs> I got three stories. I got the Cary Grant stories. I got the falling down the stairs story. And I got the, the whatever, Betty White story, whatever it is. <laughs> And uh, raise your hand if you for the one you want. Who wants the carrygram? Everybody raise their hand. Who wants this? Less people. Who wants this people? All right, I'll do the carrygram first. We'll see what happens. And of course, he tells all the yeah. stories. <laughs> he's going to tell the Bill, the Bill Cullen story. Of course. Yeah, he's oh got my them God, all. The Bill Cullen. It's a great one. Oh my God. Yeah, that's great. So, so just to explain to to our listeners who don't know, and our listeners should know, but you you have these, and you've been doing them for quite a while at your house. You have these pizza and movie nights called movie night. Uh, I've been doing it since I'm 15. When I was 15, HBO came out. And it was the only way to see an uncut, uncensored movie in your house. That you People don't realize. This is before discs, sure. before DVRs, before video cassettes. HBO, when that came out, you could see an R-rated movie in your house. Yes. And there was no other way to do it unless you lived in Hollywood and had a projectionist. Right? That's it. So here we are, 15, and here comes R-rated movie. Hey, guys, come over. We'll order pizza. We may see something. We may see some action. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we did. (laughs) A nipple. (laughs) Something. (laughs) And every Saturday night was this. Right. So now it's Sunday night, and I've gone from a small 19-inch Sony Trinitron in my parents' den with the cable TV box that was actually wired to the TV. A wire went from the box to the TV, and I you re- punched it like I an remember. old oh, that's right. clock. It had a dial right? that would give you two levels. That's right. Yeah. And that's right. I, this brings back a memory. The only time I was up at uh, Larry David's apartment mm-hmm. uh, was he had cable. Yeah. And there was going to be some movie with some actress that both of us liked mm-hmm. who was going to be naked in the movie. Of course. So you invited me. We and, both watched the movie. And if you weren't there at 10 p.m. on that night, That's you it. missed it. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. That's it. Right? No there's, VCR yeah. even. There's no VCR. There's no, nothing. So nothing. this is the thing. 10 o'clock, Saturday night, we're ordering pizza. We're having a thing. This has now evolved from that pathetic little room <laughs> to a dedicated Dolby Digital Cinema in my house where I get first-run movies. You're state-of-the-art now. State-of-the-art with a pizza oven in the kitchen and great people coming. The best part is that 
we sometimes get the filmmakers with the movies before they open. Yes. To cre- they think that we're now, creating but a great here's the buzz. thing. Yeah. I think movies now, I mean, it's the death knell. Yes. They're, they're like, it's meaningless. True. Theaters are like, I mean, if someone said, hey, uh, we gonna we got a big part for you in a movie. Yeah. I feel like, a oh, movie. No, it's like. It's your not your like house it was. will soon be the fifth largest theater in Los That's Angeles. That's right. It's not like it was. And yeah. by the way, most of the stuff we show are these little movies right. that that you would have would have been the staple of the seventies or the eighties. It would have been what we would all go to see. Like imagine they they wouldn't make Dog Day Afternoon. Today. No, 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 impossible. Right? Maybe for cable, but not the exactly not the actually. Remember the lines around the block for that movie? Of course, the, the Deer Hunter or the Deer Hunter. Been, or, none of these no. movies of Pacino and yes. De Niro would have been made. By the way. Pacino and De Niro today are doing a movie for Netflix. Yes, there that's you go. Scorsese's yes. next movie is for Netflix. There yes. you go. Right, and they, uh, thank you. They're going to let it be in the theater for a few weeks before. And, right? and it's like what always gets me is when they say uh, it's in the theaters, but they say it's and it's playing on TV at the same time. So why would you go? Yeah, why put your shoes on? Why spend a hundred dollars for yeah. your family? They're it, not going to do it. It's insane. It, so they only make superhero movies. Because those are the big people think they're really getting their money's worth. It's like straight plays on Broadway. It has to be really, really, really special Pulitzer Prize winning thing. Otherwise, people for that money, shouldn't we see a big musical with costumes and, and sets? That's it. Yes. Also, well, right? also, those big action movies that aren't dialogue dependent play, play well in foreign countries. Oh, yeah. So. Not, they forgot about us and, a long and, time ago. Yeah. It's all for China now. Yeah. And, and I see these movies, I mean, some that I, I remember and I go, oh, None of these would be in a theater, or a character study, a movie like Serpico, or, 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 or something like that. Yeah, the Sunshine Boys. Yeah, yeah never, Sunshine Boys. Never. Oh, no, Neil Simon I mean, pictures. who's going to laugh like that? No, you're not going to. You can't have it. Like, Broadway, Danny Rose. Look, same thing. Woody Allen can't get the movies out. There might be another reason for that. But sure, it's a stupid reason. Yeah, it was happening anyway, even before. Well, Co- yes. yeah, I wish you. I do wish you would slow down. Actually. <laughs> Me too. Like, like, take a year or two between, but he's doing it for him. And yeah. and comedies completely out of going into theaters, and those it, it, action films, the Charles Bronson, John Claude Van Damme, Chuck Norris, out, out. Yeah. That's we got a, we got Norman and Andrew Bergman coming in here next week to talk about the forty fifth anniversary of Blazing Saddles. Oh my God! I know you know Norman, and there's a movie that. Imagine that theatrically. There's no way. Now. Or Young Frankenstein. There's no way. No. No. By the way, just the content of Blazing Saddle. Forget that too. about it. That too. Can't do it. Right? Tell, tell us a little bit about Peter speaking of Young Frankenstein. Yes. I'm going to make a segue there. Please. And I, you know, talking about, we love to talk about old 70s movies. Yes. Good movie output. I mean, Friends of Eddie Coyle. Yep. Uh, uh, terrific. Joe, Taxi and, Driver. Do you know what he turned down? What did he turn down? French Connection. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. That's right. I heard Joe. that. He had just yes. done Joe, and he didn't want to be pigeonholed as that. He had enough trouble. People were yelling at him on the street, and he's not that guy. Yeah. He's no, a gentle soul. Yeah. He's a liberal. Yeah. He was not Joe, the guy who shoots hippies. Right. And he hated being that, and he yeah. didn't want to play another one. So that was the biggest regret of his That's life. That's fascinating. And it's so convincing. I, I think they also, didn't they offer or were seriously considering Jackie Gleason? Yes. We heard that for Popeye yes. Doyle. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. Did Friedkin right. tell you that when he came yes. over with the French Connection? But, yes. But I heard like <laughs> he hated the Jews too much. Now cut that. Out. <laughs> he didn't want to work with a guy named Friedkin. He, yes. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Peter's good in small roles in a movie called Hardcore that Paul Schrader made, absolutely. or a movie called Outland, which is High Noon absolutely. in Outer Space. He's good all the time. He's good all the time. He's really funny. Andrew also. used him to great effect in Honeymoon in Vegas. Hysterical. Yeah. That's the Hawaiian chief. Wonderful. He's you wait hysterical. for him to come on the screen. So here's two things you don't know about him. Yes. Uh, first one is he was a monk. He studied to be a monk. Oh. He went to the, he went to the seminary. I said, why'd you give it up? He goes, not enough girls. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. And the second <laughs> thing is, you know who the best man was at Peter's wedding? Oh, I know. You do know? Yes. Gilbert doesn't know. John no. Lennon. Wow. So the girl he was going to marry was a writer for Rolling Stone, and she became friendly with Yoko. And then they all became friends. I think I do remember yeah. him cool. saying in interviews he was friends with yeah. Lennon. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? They would hang out. Now, one guy who always would say my best friend John Lennon <laughs> was Marty Allen. No way. <laughs> well, 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 they worked together on Sullivan in the 60s, maybe once. Are you but, kidding me? But Marty, So, like, Marty is on his <laughs> way from he, the stage to <laughs> passing the Beatles in the hallway, and that that's my buddy? I, I think, There's a, a couple of pictures of them together. I think you see Marty Allen in uh, Sgt. Pepper cover. <laughs> that's funny. See, now that, but not that, Rossi. that sounds like a really funny thing to do if you're John Lennon. Put Marty Allen yeah. on that. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> when when Peter walked in the room, and I know he was angry because he yes, did, he couldn't kept find. Him, you kept him waiting. You're or talking he about the audition for for Raymond. Actually, it wasn't even an audition. It was a it was a, a meeting. Mm-hmm. We were gonna he, we were gonna meet. He was gonna see if he liked us, if we liked him, and it was gonna be at Universal Studios. And he came that day, and somebody gave him the wrong directions, or whoever he was with didn't tell him where it was. And it was a very hot day. And when he finally found us, forty five minutes late. He was angry. So this is how I meet yeah. Peter Boyle, who I only know from Young Frankenstein, and Joe. Yes. Right. So he eats punks like me for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. So he scared the hell out of me, and I just said, oh, you have to part. <laughs> and, and you know what's, it, huh? what's yeah. funny? Aside from Boris Karloff, he yeah. was the best Frankenstein monster. Oh, that's great. Did he You're talk right. about that movie? Did he have sure. fond, fond memories of it? Or fond what's funny is that it? he met his wife because she came to the set to do a piece on this new Mel Brooks movie, and she met him in the makeup. Oh, that's great. I said, it must have been the wedding night when you took the makeup off, and that's when she got afraid. That's great. And um, He was a gentle giant, yes. wasn't he? Yes. Now, now, one time I remember meeting him, and it was one of those sad things, but also very telling about show business and that life. Uh, I, he was at some event, and this was the last days. He yeah. was really weak. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his eyes looked glassy. Yeah. And, and I, so we got into a short conversation, and, and, I, and he was, his voice was weak. And I said to him, so, uh, they, you know, it was right when Raymond was going off the air. And I said, so, what do you, get, what do you think you'll do now? And he said, look for work. Yep. And I he thought, didn't want to stop. Yeah. He really didn't. Uh, we, we kept going as long as we could. I think that, you know, uh, it maybe was a reason that he kept going. But he had a terrible disease. Yeah. And he had it. 
that probably he had it the last year, year and a half of the show. I can honestly say it's one of the reasons we actually wanted to stop. Because we couldn't imagine the show without him or any of them. Of course not. And uh, the other thing was we had run out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. We had 210 episodes. And it was enough of anything. I, I would notice yeah. on Everybody Loves Raymond that you'd see they were using up all their tricks yeah. to make it look like he was moving around more than he was. Well, there were times when you could just plant him in the chair and he would be there for the scene. Yeah. Which was... By the way, half half the shows he did that anyway. Yes, because he was dad. Yeah, and that's what dads do. Yes, they yes. find their chair and they they insult you from their chair. Yeah, I don't think he ever his performance ever suffered, even though no. you could you know that he wasn't maybe as 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 robust. A trooper to the end. Here's some deep research on Peter Boyle. Did you know he hosted a kiddie show in Philly? Yep. Oh, yep. You. you know why? Because his dad had done. No shit. That's right. Uncle Pete presents. Yes. He, he apparently, if Wikipedia is to be believed, his he showed dad. Little Rascals and Three Stooges shorts. Oh, I think his dad did that. That is very cool. Yes, he was great. Great, they talent. all were great. Doris was great. Doris Everybody was great. another great find, and she had another big movie Listen, career. In you the know, 70s. all the planets have to line up just to get one of these things on the air. And when you find that cast, it's like you know, God blesses you over and over and over again. It's it's like cra- It's crazy, uh, the luck of that. Yes. Is well, you had, you had an eye for casting. I mean, you knew when they walked in the room that, what did you see, 100 people for Doris Roberts' yep. part? You, yep. But when she came in and hit it out of the ballpark and, and got nailed it the way you had better than you had dreamed it. By the way, Brad Garrett, there's a perfect example. Ray in real life, his real brother, who said everybody loves Raymond, was jealous, yeah. was a real police officer. Yeah. And the reason he was so jealous from birth was that he was shorter than his younger brother. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That hurts. Ray's older brother in real life, shorter than Ray. (laughs) So I think that's genius. Let's look for that. And we're seeing all the short actors in town. And then this talking tree came in the room, Brad Garrett. And with that voice, everybody loves Ray. We fell over laughing. This was way better than what we yes. had dreamed yeah, of. Yeah, it's great when that and happens. that happens, too. That's great. I love watching the show, too, because I love seeing actors like Phil Leeds and Lynn Lesser and these these older character actors. Couldn't ter- wait to use up. them. Oh, I couldn't I'm sure, wait to put you, them you in. Love, this goes back I to Danny Rose. Them. You have a fondness for those people. I love them. I love that they bring their entire lifetime of shtick with them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or their face, like, you know, Phil, Phil Leeds' Leeds. face. Oh, yeah. Who has a better face than that guy? You don't have to do anything. Yeah. You just point the camera at him you, and you already know laugh. what he is. Uncle, like, Uncle like Mel. Mathow. Yeah. Mathow can just look at yes. you and you die. Yeah. So that's what you want. Let me hear those Mathows again. That was good. Once more with a finger. Say goodbye to the finger. (laughs) 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 I love them so much. The Mathow films would never be made now. No. You mean like The Laughing Policeman or Charlie Varro? Because you would say to the studio head, look at his face. You're just going to laugh just from his face. Well, we don't, who cares about that? Yeah, they would say. Get Johnny Depp for it. Get a giant. can you have a big, uh, can you have a guy fuck a pie? Yeah. That's a show. <laughs> yes, yes. That's a show. <laughs> By the way, Doris turns up in taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Who doesn't? Yeah. 
She's in a heartbreak kid. She's in a honeymoon killer. She had a, she had a hell of a, had a, hell of a career. a huge Broadway career, yes, too. Yes, she did. She did. And they were great together. What chemistry. That's amazing. How everything clicked. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. I want to ask you about other movies. Go ahead. I saw you uh, online in that being locked in the Criterion closet. By the way, we got to get Gilbert in there. I think you'd love that because you're a movie fan and you know what Criterion does, right? They restore great movies. Oh, Criterion yes, yes. special edition DVD. Yes. A, lot of, a lot of art films, a lot of foreign films, but a lot of even popular films. Like they, they made because they, they found it insufficient uh, or degrading. They found Tootsie, and uh, Tootsie is already almost 40 years old, believe it or not. Yeah, right? amazing, 82. Has there been a better comedy, by the way, since no. that? That, sh- that movie wouldn't be made today. No. All no, it no. is is about a person, a guy who puts on a dress. That's not a big movie to people, and it's one of the best comedies of all time. Anyway, they restored that, and because I knew a lot about the movie, they actually asked me to do a feature on it, explaining why I love it so much. So you could do that. But short of that, you go in their office and they have what's something called the Criterion Closet. It's about twice the size of this room and it's wall-to-wall DVDs and Blu-rays of all their movies. And they give you a bag and they say, take whatever you want. And as you're choosing your movies or even as you're just looking at them, just talk to the camera and tell us what you think about that or why you're taking that or why you don't want that, whatever you want. And they make a five-minute thing and they put it on their uh, YouTube yeah. channel. You should do it. Now, now here's, here's we'll something. Get, we'll get them in there. I wonder about movie color movies like from the 50s and 60s. And I think, you know, I don't remember like when I first saw them what they, I mean, color to me, look, I, I mean, my family just had black and white till yes. way past. Me too, me too. And so color, always like, yeah. oh, my God, right. what is that? And now, did color of those older movies ever look really good? Or was or have they gotten bad in aging? They because get bad in aging. Things fade. And part of what the Criterion people do is restore them yeah. so that they look brand new. Because, like, some of these color films that pop up on TV, you yeah. go, boy, those those are weird colors. Well, they're faded. Yeah. And or they use cheap film stock, right? But yeah. if you if you ever watch one of my all-time favorite movies is The 10 Commandments. Yes. Because it's alternately spectacular and hysterically funny. Yes. 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 <laughs> right? That cheese ball. It's the Siegfried and Roy of movies. Yes. <laughs> and so the just for color alone Watch that movie on as big a screen as you can. You will be completely dazzled. Yeah. You can't believe the production, the beautiful the beautiful way it was shot, and then you'll be laughing also because it's so hacky and corny. Those restorations and, are incredible. Incredible. That they do. they really the, take it seriously. The actors in that, it's it's like a, an Irwin Allen picture. It is. Like the stars are popping up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, Yul Brenner and... Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Crystal did a whole routine. Yeah, oh, yeah. Thing, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. But Yul Brenner was like, on this day, Moses, you will surely die. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled out in the video online, you pulled out Strange Love. I know you're a Kubrick guy. Absolutely. Sullivan's Travels. Huge. Hitchcock's Foreign Correspondent. All great choices. Well, these well are... How many did you leave with? Did you fill a bag? 
I can't, countless. Yeah. And I've done it more than once. But you've done I've it. I've done it once. off camera too. Okay. <laughs> I may go tomorrow. Okay. I love oh, that. They're here in the city. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. You gotta go. Oh, we'll get yeah. Gilbert in there. Gilbert, free movies. Yeah. I saw you in there, John Waters. There's a bunch of people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is there free lunch thrown in? <laughs> then, <laughs> then maybe. Yeah. You we're can stop a, by the we're soda doing machine. a spinoff of your show. Somebody feed and pay for Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> now Yul Brenner, you mentioned. Yeah. Did he hate the Jews? Uh what was Yul Brenner? Was Yul Brenner Turkish? What was he? No, that's he's one of those people know. no one knew. No, there's what? a thing. He may even be Jewish. Oh. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> we gotta see No son of Hebrew slaves will ever be king. <laughs> I think uh, if only there was a device that we could yes, look it up. Yes. Yul Brenner. Should okay, we take look a look? Up if you'll, I say he's not. I think I'm going to. We'll, I'm we'll betting talk on amongst Turkish. ourselves yeah. while Phil okay. looks up Yul right, Brenner's heritage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get that on most podcasts. And scheme People for People can't to get... call in, right? We're not live. No, no, no. It's all on tape, my friend. Somebody, uh, I, if, somebody right now is cursing all yes, of us, saying, Don't you know out. that Yul Brenner is Irish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he spelled it like David Brenner, yes. right, he might be Jewish. But Brenner is B-R-Y-N-N-E-R. Correct. This was the king in The King and I. He was certainly not Thai yeah. no. playing the king in The King no. and I, right? My phone is not connected to the internet. Because ah, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe Paul can look it up if in there. If there was someone know, sitting somebody in, there in the booth check on who Yul was Brenner's doing heritage. Nothing. Is Yul Brenner a Jew? <laughs> Jew or not a Jew? <laughs> Look up Yul Brenner, people. Yes. By the way, so, Days of I'm Heaven. I'm so glad we talked. I, I know you like Barry Lyndon and the way it looks. Days of Heaven is beautiful. It's a gorgeous criterion. movie. But it's not as exciting to me as Barry Lyndon. Yeah, they're, they're Barry both Lyndon great is uh -oh. not only... Uh oh is someone running in here? Okay, Mark Malkoff's here coming Mark. in, and we may have a verdict. Who wants to guess? I was surprised. Was Phil close? What did you guess? I guess Turkish? No. Is he Middle Eastern at all? No. An Armenian? I'm going to guess... Uh, I'd say he's a Gentile. He's part Kali. Polish. <laughs> Russian. Russian. That, that doesn't surprise me. One of your people. That's what I always thought. He You're, was Russian. Did he ever play uh, Russian in a movie? He must have. Yeah. yeah. For smoking. Yeah, he died of, he died of, he died of emphysema. I am dead already. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Mark, and we'll see you soon. Do you know who did a Thank heartbreaking you. PSA? Uh, PSA uh, that was the guy that played, uh, uh, you know, Hamilton Berger on Perry Mason. Oh, he did an anti-smoking? Uh, yeah. From Beyond the Grave? Where they, they show, well, he did it, you know, when he was alive, he did it. And they show home movies of his family. And he said, uh, this is my wife. These are my kids. And uh, and then he holds a picture of him and uh, Raymond Burr, and he says, here I am with a friend of mine. And he said, I didn't mind losing all of those cases on Perry Mason, but I'm in a fight now that I don't want to lose. And that was just the heartbreaking. Saddest, Very saddest sad. thing I've heard. Johnny, Can I yeah. ask a short question? Johnny's life. What kind of show is this? <laughs> Well, Where this is we, what you're bringing up. We, we, we Let's want, talk about PSAs of people who died from cancer. 
I want to give this you the feeling. This is fun for the people. So, uh, people are shooting themselves as we speak. Sides of the street I, here, I want to give you the feeling. I want to give everyone the feeling of what it was like hearing this is the end of our broadcast day. <laughs> This could be the end of your broadcast. Yes, yes, yes. I can just see the Stitcher people going, "Um, Gilbert, can we talk to you? Yes. (laughs) Could you not bring up? uh, (laughs) Why don't you you, you strangle puppies on the air? What Gino always says to me is that sometimes during the show, the guests will be, it'll be a light moment. The guests will be cracking up and just riffing back and forth. And then I'll go... Now, when your daughter died at age six, holy cow! (laughs) We had Ron Delsner in here, the famous rock and roll promoter, and he's telling Beatles stories that you would just die to hear. Yes, and this guy says, "Why was this one?" Asked him a question about culling the deer population in Montauk. (laughs) (laughs) See, but that is funny. I I enjoyed. You could hear the show go. Yes. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) But that's he understands. He understands incongruity. He understands why that's funny. But for a good ten, fifteen minutes, we were on PSAs of people who died. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You like old comics? We'll pick it up again. I like old comics. Like you. Share with Phil your wonderful impersonation of Jackie Vernon. Oh. Oh. Who will go for this more than him? Yeah. Here's some slides from my vacation. <laughs> Here's a picture of us with our tour guide, Manuel. Here we are being walked across the quicksand. Here we are, waist deep. Now here's a bunch of ropes and hats and things. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Who else does Jackie Vernon? No one. There you go. Well, see the kids. <laughs> the kids are demanding. Yeah. They scream for that at your concerts. <laughs> Later we'll have him do his John MacGyver. Do Vernon. They get the lighters up here. Do Vernon. <laughs> I'm told my... Uh, Fat Jackie Leonard. Oh, yes, yeah, Jackie yes. Leonard. The roast that's on YouTube, you can see this. The roast of Walter Cronkite. Oh man, he gets. Uh, I think he's the uh, the MC. Yeah. What do you, What did they call him? Roastmaster. Roastmaster. Yeah. Well, the Cronkite. I didn't recognize you without the world. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and I learned from listening to Mark Malkoff's podcast <laughs> that Jackie Leonard was bent out of shape by Rickles stealing his his act. act. Yeah. By the way, so turnabout is fair play. Brad Garrett stole Rickles' act. If you ever see Brad Garrett's act, he does basically what Rickles did. I haven't o- seen only him without live. the apology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a totally hateful. Individual. No, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's, uh, I haven't but, seen but him. But people, live. people going expecting, you know, shy put upon Robert from Raymond are shocked and walk out of the show because he's literally insulting them. (laughs) Well, people used to come to see Gilbert at Caroline's expecting the raucous Gilbert from the Howard Stern show, and instead they would get Leonard Barr and Ned Glass references. (laughs) (laughs) And here's a PSA you may remember. (coughs) There was a great... uh, This one I recommend. There was a great PSA the Stooges did. And they would they were talking about you know they they were Curly Joe and they're both bombarding <laughs> Curly Joe and they're saying, 
hey, uh, I heard you're suffering from arthritis. Well, we've got these uh, pills. And then Larry comes over and he goes, we've got a special oil made out of uh, weasels. And... (laughs) And then what? Mo, Mo looks into the camera and goes, double talk, sure. But millions are lost on these phone and cures. And then they say, uh, uh, I'm Mo, I'm Larry, I'm Curly Joe. And uh, they they say, you know, gift to the uh, arthritis founder. It, it's so powerful. Wow. Of course, because it comes from the guy you love. It comes from the funny people who only made you laugh. And I mentioned it to uh, Penn from Mm -hmm. Penn & Teller. He said he's very familiar, and to him, that's the original episode of his show, Bullshit. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's putting comedy in, but exposing bullshit. Well, I talk about this in the book, even, Mm -hmm. that the most powerful moment for me of the Honeymooners was the episode where Norton gets hurt in the subway. Oh, I mean, yes. I mean not in the subway, in the, yes. sewer, in the sewer. In the sewer. And, and they had had a fight, and it was beautifully written. They had had the fight. He had said, get out for the last yeah, time. Yes. We are not friends anymore. Yeah. Right? Because Norton put on his ring and couldn't get it yes, off. The yes. ring he was going to give That's someone right. else, right? And he was like, God, we are not friends anymore. And, and Norton was heartbroken. But Ralph... Who are you going to go bowling with? I'm going with this guy. But that's our bowling. That's our, that's what lane are you using? Lane number two. That was our lane. <laughs> that's really well written. <laughs> it's yeah. beautiful. And he's about to go. And how, how great is this? The guy they cast does Norton. Yeah. So he comes in. He raids his fridge. He it, does yeah, everything yeah, annoying. Yeah, right. Even Alice says, oh, hi, Norton. And he goes, that's not Norton. That's yeah. This is my new friend, Teddy. Okay. They're about to go bowling. And the the day player, the the, the guy who the, there were two, they they could afford two actors yes. other than them <laughs> George to play the, all yeah, the other yeah. roles. George Petrie right? was the one. He guy, comes yeah. in. Petrie right. was everything. Yeah. And he goes, "Hey, oh, I'm looking show. for. He's looking. He he he's been looking for Norton's wife. He can't find him. That's why he knocked on Ralph's door. We're trying to reach. Why? What is it? Norton was hurt. We're trying to reach uh, Trixie. What do you mean Norton was hurt? Ralph." And he, he says, yeah, in the sewer. He was hurt in the sewer. What do you mean? Where is he? What? And, and he goes, and, and the guy leaves because he's going to run now to find Trixie. And Norton is there. I mean, I'm sorry. Ralph is there with the new friend. And he goes, you ready to go bowling? He goes, I can't. I can't. If something happened to Norton, I'd never forgive myself. What do you mean? You just got done telling me how much you hate the guy, right? And Ralph gets really angry. I mean, this is like a well-written play. Oh, yeah. And he grabs the guy right in his face, and he goes, what I say about Norton is one thing. How I feel about him is another. And I remember as a little kid bursting into tears. You still get emotional thinking about it today, don't you? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because it's real. all these guys did was make me laugh. And to think that one of them could be hurt, and to see the love that the other one had for him, that's everything. It's great. And it taught me the most important lesson in show business. Yeah. When you care about the character, you'll go anywhere with them. You'll go anywhere. And they're, you're, you, they, you want to be with them forever. Yeah. They become your family because you, these are feelings that you only have for family and the closest friend. The only part of that show I didn't like 
is when Gleason <laughs> says, Norton, I hate the Jews. <laughs> I can't stand living next to Jews. They got too much control over the media. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, Ralph, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> Let's have a drink. Let's have a drink. By the this way, I- grocery <laughs> on the corner, Goldberg's. <laughs> Why do they get all the groceries? <laughs> Make sure to count your change oh, when God. you buy By the way, I think that was Ned Glass playing <laughs> You're the, right. the replacement friend, the guy yeah. from West Side Story. You're right. Yeah. The guy who played Doc yeah. Yeah. in West Side Story. Your kids Story. make this world rotten. That's right. Yeah, same guy. Yeah. He's in, heard, he's in Charade, Stanley Don and Charade. I heard that the new Spielberg West Side Story is going to cast Rita Moreno. Wow. Who was Anita Ooh. and won the Oscar for 1960 West Side Story. Wow. As Doc's wife. Doc wow. is dead. Wow. And Rita Moreno, that's how to get her in the movie. Why not? Why not? And she was at your house with West Side Story, was she not? She was, and I have a good Rita Moreno story. First of all, to watch that movie sitting next to her when she's on stage, like sexy, vibrant, brilliant, hilarious, best dancer you ever saw. Ball of fire. Ball of fire. And for her to sit to sit and just you're looking at her, that's you. That's you. That's you. (laughs) Yeah. That's you. And then she gets up in front of our 25, 30 guests and tells us all about the making of the movie. That's the most special thing. The next time she came over, because we now are friends, she went into the movie room, which is on two or three levels, and she went in early to get a seat for herself, and she tripped on the step in the dark and sprained her ankle. Damn. And I can't tell you the horror of walking into your room and seeing Rita Moreno lying in pain on the floor. Oh. Wow. So now the theater is the Rita Moreno Theater because she owns it. (laughs) 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 She was doing my friend Mike Royce and Norman Lear's show at the time. Yes, yes. And the next day, Mike Mike called me and said, you broke my star. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you broke my Rigoletto. Yes, yes, yes. Very good. Another favorite. <laughs> Another favorite. Another favorite. How great were those guys? The greatest. Is there a Rickle story? There is. Okay. There's always a Rickle story. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I meet him, I'm at a, a restaurant, and I happen to know Peter LaSalle, uh, who's a wonderful guy. He produced uh, the Johnny Carson yes. show and then David Letterman show. Do you know? Have you ever met him? Uh, no. The loveliest man. Anyway, he's friendly with Rickles for many, many years, and they come into the restaurant, and they come over to say hello, and it's Don Rickles. Yeah. And this is when Raymond, I guess, is popular and still on, and he goes, this is the guy who created the show, and Rickles goes, thanks for all the calls. So first thing he says, and I die laughing, right? And my friend Lou Schneider is a writer and a comedian, and he was a writer on the show. And he says, Mr. Rickles, I just want to say, he goes, what's your name? And he goes, Lou Schneider. And Don Rickles smacks him in the face (laughs) and says, another Jew. (laughs) 
and I look at Lou like, you've been knighted. Yes. You've been, <laughs> never washed that face, right? I can't believe, we, we are dying laughing. We can't believe this is happening. Rickles goes now, insults us a couple more times and goes and sits down. We, we can't believe, we can't believe it. We can't believe we got to meet Rickles and he slapped you in the face and he insulted me and he insulted you. And uh, uh, the way, uh, send over one of these, uh, uh, the, we, uh, we were at a Spago or something. Send over the smoked salmon pizza to him from us, please. Don't, mm-hmm. He's sitting in the, the other room, whatever it is. And we continue our meal. And halfway through our meal, all of a sudden I feel something next to me and I look, it's Don Rickles. Yeah. He's now sitting next to me for no reason. <laughs> And I go, oh, oh, hello. He goes, richest guy in the world, you send over a pizza? <laughs> Where are the entrees? What a thrill. Right? And, and Lou starts to go, Mr. Rickles, we're sorry. And he slaps him in the face again. <laughs> it was like we were in a show. It was the That's greatest fantastic. night ever. And we became friendly after that. And we had... We had dinner. We had we had things. We I remember we were out. Uh, I was out with Brad Garrett, and Brad had a very young girlfriend at the time, and was out with us. And she looked even younger than she actually was. Yes. And uh, Rickles goes, uh, "Who's this?" And he says, "This is my girlfriend." And uh, says her name, and he goes. Uh, Blink if you've been kidnapped. <laughs> Gold. <laughs> Nobody funnier. Nobody funnier. Oh, he was wonderful. Right. Well, we know, I've, uh, listening to your, your interviews with Mark, that you used to stay up in bed watching the those old Carson shows and watching those I had a five. My parents had a five-inch Sony yeah. black and white yeah. with the antenna. And I would sneak it into my room and I would sneak it into my bed under the covers because it was way past my bedtime, yeah. 1130. But goddamn, I was not going to miss Johnny Carson, especially when Rickles was Those on. Rickles. Again, pre-VCR, you couldn't yeah. tape in and watch it the yeah. next day. There was no YouTube to see the great Rickles segment that was on the night before. Oh, you yeah. either saw it that night or you had to wait for Best of Carson. The two right? that stand out are when he broke the cigarette box. When he hosted. Amazing. And Johnny went and found him yeah. down the Don't hall. Don't you think, I mean, you should ask Mark uh, Malkoff this. Mark, was that all planned? Let's bring him in here. Mark? I felt uh, he must I think planned. that well, there, the CPO Sharky was right down, conveniently there, I mean, right down the there's hall. A, there's, there's another segment we can talk about, too, that I had to be planned. But, Mark, was that, uh, do you happen to know, was that a planned bit? I um yeah I do know they told me they used this. Okay. Um, I do know and it was absolutely Rickles did not know about it but it was planned. Carson Carson had heard about it and he came up with this whole thing and that that's how they were able to get the camera which they've never did and they never did that's into the into the studio. Through yeah. that door and yeah. in, across the hall into the next door. Right. All these things had to be said otherwise uh, we're twenty yeah, sure. minutes of. Uh, can we get in there? I want to mention one thing that I found interesting. The actual, when you, when you see it now when it's played, it cuts to the actual camera of CPO Sharky. And you, you right. see, but on the original broadcast oh, of... Uh, Mike. Oh, sorry. But of the original broadcast um, on The Tonight Show, because I've seen it, it's actually just that one single camera and you never see like the that other that other shot. Other shot. Right. But yeah, but um, Carson, yeah, knew it. I see, could never tell. I could went back and forth. I could never... I, I always felt... That one famous one where, uh, 
you know, Dean Martin and George Goebel, and I guess Bob, oh, it was Bob Hope. Hope. That that struck me as a bullshit one. I didn't think so, really. No. I thought that was... Doesn't that, Dean put his cigarette, flick his cigarette in, yeah. in George Goebbels? You thought that was planned? Yes. I didn't and, think so. I And I felt like George Goebbels' line, that ever in quotes, oh, like I feel with like... With the tuxedo and the brown, brown yeah. shoes. And I thought, that. I bet you that's a line he does in his act well, well, every that, night. I think yeah. that that was written yeah. and delivered perfectly, but maybe not the cigarette putting yeah. the cigarette in his drink. What about the geisha girls with Rickles? That is completely set up. Yeah. Why? Because if you're doing the massage scene, yeah. why is that pool there? Good question. Ah. There's no reason for that pool to be there other than to dump Rickles into it. That's right. And I yes. didn't know that until Phil, I never thought about that. Because there's so many spontaneous moments on, on Carson's show. That. It's too expensive to build an extra I thing know, that you, you don't know, need I, for decoration. <laughs> I never thought of that. There's no there's reason There's a giant have tub a pool. there. Yeah. For the sole reason of putting Rickles into it. But nobody thinks that because yeah. they're too busy laughing that Rickles went in the yeah. water. Thank you, Marky. Wow. Mark. You left yeah. already. He'll Look how back. he runs away from back. me. You could, that's that's a good, all right. That's, that's, Mark is the, you should tell people, the, the leading he's expert. He's been on the show. Yes. Of we'll, Johnny Carson. Yes. All things Carson. He's been on this show and he will be again. I don't know why. <laughs> and, and he played me a clip. <laughs> Sooner than you think. <laughs> he, he played me a clip at the end of our interview together. Of, you and of, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Carson doing a joke and mentioning me in the joke. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. What was the joke? Well, do you remember the joke, Mark? Come back in here. <laughs> hey. I like how we keep running him like a monkey into the yes. other room. Back in your cage. All right, come out of your cage. Here's a peanut. Tell here us a comes. story. Here he comes again. Okay. Come here. Give him a cookie. I don't remember the, the, the joke was something about remember. the Emmys. No. <laughs> it was definitely about the, the Emmys. And I think it was, it was him talking about because it was just oh, the week when before. I got in trouble. Yes, it's when I you got in trouble the for the Emmys. And uh, Carson was just saying, applying that you probably wouldn't be working for a long time, something like that. Yes, yes. When I showed you that clip, I could not, I, I, did, I can't describe your face to the, the, the audience. Yeah. I mean, I, you were in complete shock, your jaw dropped, and you just like, can we watch it again? Can we watch it again? Yeah, I never knew Carson knew who the hell I was. There you go. Yeah. I was never on the show. Okay, now run back. More, more Carson. I'll be back in two questions to come. Back to the cage. Now I want to. Th now I want to think of shit to keep running him in here. I'm not appreciated. You are appreciated, especially for your running skills. I appreciate you, Mark. Now I told you the story. I told you my Carson story last time, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you don't have to. But get is out there of a share story? We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. After this, there is a share story. Uh, Ray Romano, in the early days of his life, delivered futons. And for some reason, he thought we would be impressed if he told us that he delivered a futon to share. <laughs> and we said, Oh, was she nice? Oh, I don't know, because she wasn't there when I delivered it. <laughs> I said, wow, you are a master storyteller. What a great story. You should just get up at parties and tell that story. And we made fun of him for the rest of his life for this story. So I'm out with uh, Ray and Lou Schneider and his and our wives, yeah. and we're at uh, we're at a restaurant, and Ray gets up 
to go to the restroom, and we happen to notice at that moment, three tables behind us is Cher eating in the restaurant. And we're like, oh, my God. How do we do the futon thing with Cher? What do we... We got to do something. And Lou Schneider... I said, see if she'll stop by. She if so, that like to, so Lou goes over there and says, listen, we're, I don't know if you know the show, everybody loves Raymond, but she goes, oh yeah. She goes, well, Ray always tells this story about delivering a futon to you when he was like in his 20s. And if you could just stop by and say anything you want about it, it would be so great. And when Lou came back to the table before Ray got back, he told us, I don't. I have no idea if she's going to do it or not. I mean, she seemed to not, but she was with people and everything. And so we forgot about it. It, it was a shot. Mm-hmm. And we're eating. And all of a sudden, Cher is standing next to us at the table. And she goes, Ray? And he looks up and he, he says, yes. He, I want you to know, that futon sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and she walks out. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Is that fantastic? Just the way you wanted her to be. Isn't that Deli- fantastic? Delivering on cue. How great is she? Fantastic. I mean, I love her the rest of uh, fantastic. my life. Right? I, for that. I wrote one more down. Will Ferrell? Oh, my God. We did, uh, Ray, Ray hosted SNL. Uh, and he was allowed to bring me and Mike Royce to SNL to help make him comfortable. And we actually wrote a couple of sketches that got on the air, which wow. was the thrill of a lifetime. And I don't know why. Because that show meant so much to you, too, oh, when you well, were young. It's our childhood. Yeah. It's, it's sure. grow, we grew up when I was 15 when it premiered. And, and uh, Ray, too, you know, this was the fulfillment of a lifelong dream. It was to host or just beyond in any capacity SNL. So this is the years of Will Ferrell and Jimmy Fallon and, the, and Horatio Sands and and – these guys, I was like, uh, hey, you want to go get something to eat? And they go, what do you mean? Well, to, have you, you want to go? Um, we were so thrilled to be here, and nothing's happening tonight. You know, they, they don't even start writing the show until like Tuesday night, yeah. right? They do an all-nighter. So it's Monday, and I say— <laughs> He was on it. You were on it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Worst season ever. He was in a cast. Oh, no, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the worst season ever. Eight minutes. No, no, no. But listen, I don't have to tell you, it's a miracle that anything is ever funny— on that uh, yes, show, yes. considering the way they do it. Yeah, the, it's insane. The, the production week is crazy to me. I don't understand it. Anyway, so it's Monday night. I say, you want to get something? They go, like what? I'm like, I don't know. I'll take you anywhere you want. What do you mean? You'll take us? Yeah, I love you guys. This is really an honor to take you. So we all go to Peter Luger's, okay? And we have the greatest time. And the next night, you know, I'm just so thrilled to be with them. And they seem so delighted to be fed, like no one has ever done this. Yes. You've had giant stars in it. They don't no. take you to dinner? No. Nothing? I remember I remember they would have parties after each show where we'd all go to a restaurant, a nice restaurant, and each person has to pay for their oh, meal. Oh, no. Yes. yes. Major well, that was the Domainian year. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, yes. I, I remember hearing this yeah. as well. You didn't get shit I remember hearing this parties. as well. Terrible, terrible, terrible. So it was my honor to do I mean, I was thrilled to do it. So the next night, I'm ordering Chinese food. So we become friendly. The very next week after we have this wonderful, wonderful week on SNL, Ray and I take our children to Disneyland in California, okay? 
And we go out to the whatever you take a boat even out to this uh, Huckleberry Island, whatever it is. What is it? Davy Crockett's <laughs> land like or something. Yeah. Some, some I don't place. know. Anyway, I have to use the restroom, and there's one toilet in the bathroom uh, and one urinal in this log cabin-esque bathroom on Davy Crockett Island. And I go in there to pee. And from in the stall, on this island, in this tiny bathroom, I'm hearing this. Oh, God! (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) Oh, my God! (laughs) And it's getting worse and worse and worse, and I think someone is fucking dying. Someone is dying. And now Ray has to go in after me, and I'm like, Ray, something's going on. I don't know if you should go in there. He goes, what do you mean? I really have to pee. I said, listen, there's somebody, I think, having a heart attack in, that, in, in the toilet. And he goes, oh, uh, how bad could it be? And he goes in there, and he comes out, and he's white-faced. Ash, ashen, like, should we call 911? The door opens. It's Will Ferrell. Oh, He must have seen through the crack someone go in. And this is shtick he's doing oh, for that stranger. Hilarious. The coincidence that we had just been with him in New York. And that he was in all places, not just Disneyland, an island in the middle of a lake in the middle of Disneyland, and the one toilet in the middle of that island in the middle of the lake in the middle of Disneyland in California. What are the odds of this happening? Hilarious. But it just goes to the comic genius of the guy that yeah. he's going to do shtick for whoever. Yeah. That's great. That's gold. Right? Wonderful. What do you want to talk about? When Peter O'Toole came to your house for a screening. I told you that last yeah, that's, time. That's a, that's a good one. That's already We're gonna boring make it, to you. No, no. We loved it. We're going to make you tell the Jerry Lewis story again. Only because, no, you can't. Only because Gilbert uh, yeah. ate it up. Uh, <laughs> or do you want to tell us about Leon Vitale, which is also interesting? He's fascinating yeah. because Leon Vitale was Stanley Cooper's right-hand man. For, Leon Vitale was in Barry Lyndon. He played Lord Bullington. For those of you who know Barry Lyndon, he's the he's the the stepson of Barry Lyndon, who hates Barry Lyndon because he knows the truth about Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon only married his mother to get her money. Yeah. So he hates this guy, and so they duel at the end and everything. And he was great in the movie Leon Vitale. Leon Vitale was so enamored. It's fascinating. And in awe of the genius of Stanley Kubrick that he gave up his acting career to work for Stanley Kubrick for the rest of Kubrick's life. Isn't that wild? So that means every single piece of development, every movie, he was the guy. I Googled him, and he's everywhere. He's in The Shining. He's he's, He's he's on the set. He he cast the little boy out of thousands. Yeah. You can imagine how meticulous Kubrick was at every aspect of making a movie. He he was the the onset wrangler for the boy. He trained every actor for Full Metal Jacket. There's a horrific story in this week's Hollywood Reporter about an actor who was supposed to be the drill sergeant that Kubrick kept waiting for a year and kept him rehearsing with Leon Vitale over and over and over, but then gave the part to Lee Ermey. Wow. Ooh. And this this guy was suicidal. He then gave him a tiny role in the film. Ah. Oh. But. It, the way he was treated was awful. I think I know the actor you oh, mean. We should yeah. we should have Leon on the podcast. He's Leon is great cinema. Leon, history. there's a documentary he's, he's before you have him on yeah. 
called Film Worker yes, that I believe right. is on Netflix. That's right. And it's about the sacrifice that Leon made of giving up his own life and career in the service of a genius, of, of the, ah. probably the greatest filmmaker who ever lived. And yeah, we got to get him. All the way through The Shining and Full Metal Jacket and, and uh, the last one, Eyes Wide, Eyes Shut, Wide Shut, which he has a part in. Uh, the, the greatest stories, the most unbelievable. I mean, there's, there's nobody like Stanley Kubrick, and Leon Vitale knows all the He's stories. He's in L.A.? He is Did in you LA. extend an invite to him to come to the to the house and show something? Leon has been to my house several times. Oh, he has. Not just for Kubrick movies. By the way, he came to Full Metal Jacket with Matthew Modine. Great. Wow. And they both told Kubrick stories. Wow. About, I mean, I, it's, I can't get over it. When there's a restoration of the film, they go to Leon because Leon knows. Leon knows that Kubrick was calling the theater operators and the projectionist to make sure that it was being oh. shown in the right aspect ratio. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's how. Because when you think about it, you make a movie, and if they show it wrong, they're not seeing your movie. On, on, a, on, a, on the same vein, I worked with Matthew Modine and Funky Monkey. <laughs> will, you have, will you have Gilbert over for Funky Monkey Night? I want, I want you and Matthew... <laughs> To the tell best, me all the funky monkey who stories. Else is in it? The best review, <laughs> the best review I ever heard of that movie was because uh, because everyone hated it. One review was just one line. It said, "Matthew Modine once starred in a movie made by Stanley Kubrick." That was <laughs> oh the my whole god. review. <laughs> oh my god! That's awesome. That hurts. That is awesome. <laughs> wow, you're the food guy. I am. Tell us your favorite food. By the way, I was somebody stopped me in the airport, and he says, "Hey, you're the food guy." <laughs> and I said, "That was my research." I said, "Wow, <laughs> I, I I've always wanted to be known as that, yeah. right?" Like, and he goes, "Hey, listen, I'm just the guy." Wow. <laughs> so oh, that wow. meant a wow. lot. To wow. That was like that's profound. Wow, that really is right. That's profound. Yeah. So when somebody says, "Hey, you're the parrot guy." Yeah. You go, oh, yeah, thanks. I always wanted to be known as the parrot. Hey, listen, Cause you I'm start, just the guy. In the business, you start yes. going, well, that guy's a notch higher, and that guy's 10 yes, notches that's right. higher, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm three notches above this guy. We should be and, lucky yeah. to be known as anything yeah. guy. Well, I always think, whenever I'm depressed about my career, yeah. I, I think like, all those people that were at like the improv catch yes. and all these clubs every fucking night. Yeah. And I ran into them for years and now I don't know their names. I don't know what if they're still alive anymore. They're gone. Well, it's and nice think, that you have that perspective. Yeah, because I mean I think like, oh my God, I, I'm I'm working and these people but I don't not know only if working, they're still alive. You've done a couple things that are iconic and will live forever beyond you. And you will be known as that guy. Yeah. Instead of just a guy. Yes. So you want him over for Funky Monkey Night. I did. With Matthew <laughs> Modine. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. What about Problem Child 2 Night? Sure, whatever you want. <laughs> there was Problem Child 3. I'll tell you something. I can't tell you the name of this yeah. guy. Uh, but I, I made a mistake, and I'll never do this oh, again. Oh, boy. So I got to have a small part in a film. And the lead of the movie was, is a pretty well-known actor. And, and I was thrilled to meet this guy because I was a fan. And one of the things I'm 
able to say to somebody that admire that I admire is, hey, you want to come over for movie night? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Because sure. that now, yes, now we're yeah. gonna be friends. That's sure. how I make friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, listen, we use whatever we can. Yes. Yeah. I'm not handsome or charming, so I have a movie <laughs> night with pizza. Maybe you'll like pizza me. Oven. Maybe you'll <laughs> like me. You're gonna pizza oven. <laughs> okay, so this guy goes. Not only would I like to come, but I just made a movie that I directed. I would love to show it. And I'm like, great. The movie starts. Everyone's thrilled that this actor is there. Yes. It's horrible. Oh. I mean, awful. Even if I told you this man's name and told you the name of the movie, you've never heard of this movie. Yeah. Oh. For very good reason. And it's so bad. And when it's over, everyone is like, oi. And he leaps to the front of the room and says, any questions? Oh, (laughs) always know what movie you're showing. Yes. That's a valuable (laughs) lesson. We've all been to screenings like that. Right. Public screenings like that where people sneak out. But not when it's a friend and a thing and friends. There's nowhere to go. You can't sneak out of your own house. So I had to, you know, break the ice. How did you get so-and-so to be in the movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It was awful. Apropos of nothing, there's an actor you worked with in the Italy episodes of Raymond that I always liked. David Proval. David Proval was in The Sopranos. He was a very tough gangster, horrible gangster, meanest, toughest guy. I thought, wow, he was so fantastic. What an actor. I wish I could work with him one day. And I'm watching The Sopranos. And he gets killed in The Sopranos. And I jump out of my chair and I go, he's available. (laughs) (laughs) And we got him. He plays a great scary guy. He's in a movie called Nunzio that's very good. Oh, I didn't know that movie. Indie film that's a favorite of Scorsese's. He was was awesome. Yeah. He played Stefania, the beautiful Italian girl's father. I love those episodes I told you you. on email. It's a little like local hero. The, the cynical guy goes yes. and falls in love That's right. with the place. The place in, he's enchanted by. So you know what came from that episode? Somebody feed Phil. Ah. Because what I saw happen to Ray, the character that I wrote, happened to Ray, the person. And Ray really and I saw that. that. He really said, I'm not interested in other cultures? That is the exact thing he said. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> I asked him, what are you doing for your hiatus? <laughs> What are you doing on hiatus this year? Between season one and two, he goes, I go to Jersey Shore. And I said, that's nice. You ever been to Europe? He goes, nah. I said, why not? He goes, I'm not really interested in other cultures. I love him. Even his own culture. Yeah. Italy. He'd never been. So I thought you got to write that episode. I got to write it. Fantastic. I got to send them over with that in his head and send them back as me. Someone excited to go. Right? And it took years to get him on a plane. He didn't even want to get on a plane. He didn't want to go anywhere. So the, the, that was the actual episode was about him getting woke, right? It's great. It's and touching. then it, I saw it happen to him to the point where this summer he's texting me from Sicily. Phil, you got to try the pizza down here. It's unbelievable, uh, right? You handled it so well too. When he goes and he gets the he gets the slice, and he Listen, and he just and he kicks all, the, he kicks the soccer yeah. ball with the kids. It's really we, we it's all really get, we all get those moments. Lovely. But we get them in the tiniest, the tiniest thing can change your life, right? To suddenly understand, oh, this is what traveling is for. This is why you go. And as you've said many times, that's why you do the show, because you want to share what you've experienced with other people. It's what you do. This is why you're sitting right there, is because you want to turn people on to stuff you like. It's what drives us. That's good. 
that's all we do well, is can, try to connect with people. If you're not driven by something like that, it's hard to get out of bed. But listen, that's all the show is for me. It's not really about the food. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the show before we get out of here. You doing season? We have to you, leave. You doing season? <laughs> <laughs> you doing season three? I know Gino hooked up with you for what the show episode. Yeah. I heard he brought food to the set. He's a genius. Yes. Because he brought not ice cream, custard. What's frozen right? custard? Yes. To to the to the show. I'm not even allowed to tell you what city we were in when he did this. Oh, okay. Because I'm not allowed to divulge. Netflix, for some reason, thinks, you know, next summer when this comes out, you're going to remember that I said this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I already said it, so I'll trim it. Whatever. Yeah. You can yeah. say it. I didn't say it. So you're doing a third season. And third and fourth. Third and fourth. Fantastic. Ten, Wonderful. Ten episodes we're filming. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm excited. Listen, we were nominated for an Emmy this year. Congratulations. Which I was so thrilled about because what are we? We're a tiny little show on Netflix that seems to have hit. It hit a chord. I get letters and emails and, and, and DMs from around the world. As you should. Saying that people traveled because they watched that show. Nothing could make me happier. It's great. People send me two-year-olds. They're two-year-olds imitating me, which is a little yeah. insulting. But <laughs> it's very sweet. You must get it all the time. Yeah, oh, yeah. You have little kids imitating you? Yeah. Is that hilarious? Don't you yeah. love it? No, I've been asked to stay away from little kids. Uh, that yeah, I understand so also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were talking about, I was telling them about the New York episode. You went in search of the best pizza. Who in, doesn't? In New York. You're sitting now, here with two pizza See, see two now pizza that's something that drives me crazy is people always say to me, oh, New York, that's the best pizza on the planet. And I think I live in Manhattan. I I don't remember the last really good pizza I had. You got to go to your hometown, Coney Island. But can I tell you at least one in Manhattan? Yeah. Yeah. Have you been to 106 in Broadway? Or you're not going that far. <laughs> Let me write no. this down. It's called Mama's yeah. 2, T-O-O, Mama's 2. And you, I want you to see my friend Frank. Tell him I sent you. You bet. Maybe he'll give you a free bite. Yeah. <laughs> if it's but, free, I'll go there. Yes. <laughs> For you, it might be. Because I'm telling you, it's really, really super good. The other great one, and by the way, I would have filmed there if we, if it was open when we. Well, because the two made the show. I, I was saying, and Gilbert and Dara, the two you picked were two in Brooklyn, one in Coney Island. That's right. Well, uh, another one knows. in Brooklyn, and then the one in Jersey. The one in Jersey is like off the charts, crazy great. It's called Raza. Gilbert, we'll do a, a road trip. It's I, seven minutes on the path. Train. Come on, you can go to so, Raza. I'll take you. Let's Dar go. I'll even pay for you. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> I'll even pay for the subway fare. Now he's in. Now, do do any of the pizza guys do that thing of twirling the dough in the I've air? I've never anymore? seen a professional, like a real person do it. I used to see that all the time. When yes. I was a kid growing up in Brooklyn, I would see them swing it. It would like go around like yeah. a flying saucer yeah. in the air, way up, and they catch it. And you know, it's part of show business. Yeah. It, it, I think it goes back to when pizza was invented, do that in the window. You're going to get attention. Yes. You're going to get people in the store. Oh, it's smart. There's and no real reason to do it. It was amazing. Some the, like the they could have been on TV. Mm -hmm. These guys that swung the door. Listen, there are pizza makers who think that handling the dough too much actually hurts it. Oh, right. That that you want to leave a little air in so it gets that nice that beautiful crust. That with the they they concerned about they they'll say look at that whole structure. Right? Where you see the little webs of dough and yeah. the hold the air, that that's important because of crunch and feel. Mm -hmm. 
all this goes into it. Gil, but everybody you, likes something. Do you else. love pizza? What 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 food makes you uh, makes you excited? I don't oh, know this about you. Jeez, I've never really seen you get uh, mm. particularly enthused yeah, when, about when, food. Whenever someone's paying for it for me, <laughs> I'm usually happy. You would have been I so happy in my would... parents' house. Are they? <laughs> <they're> cruis- <laughs> The cuisine of our house, the cuisine, yes, was cheap. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Whatever was on sale, I, that was the. What are we having? Whatever's on sale. Same, same with my my upbringing, and I remember there were certain brands that you would never see in our house. Those yes. would be the more expensive. We'd never see that. By the way, talk about cheap show business. Yeah, people. So there was a hit Ooh. sitcom. Okay, where. The writers, producers, could have Coke and Pepsi and Dr. Pepper. And the PAs had to drink Shasta, Wallbounds. Oh! Yeah. How about that? Oh! I was on a show where a memo was passed around. My hand to God, this was a hit sitcom. On this sitcom, a memo went around the office. A hit! We noticed... Some of you are putting milk on your cereal when you come in in the morning. The milk is for coffee. The cereal is for snacks. Ooh. We do not provide breakfast for you. Please do not put milk on your cereal. <laughs> oh, wow. And I, wow. I literally it went through me like a knife. I said to myself right then and there, if I'm ever lucky enough to have my own show, we're going to have milk on our cereal. <laughs> Good for you. And we had the best craft service in town. Bless Legendary. Your heart. Yes. That's half the point of doing a television show, right? Of course. It's, to, it's free to eat. food. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what else is there? Listen, you'd be in a room writing. It can be a long, long day. The only sunshine coming in is the menu. I remember, like on certain sitcoms that I did guest spots on Monday when they'd have the first read through, that was the best day. They'd have like locks and bagels and everything. Not everybody. You said the yeah. food on Hollywood Squares was good. Oh, very good. Yeah. They they'd have a great lunch on Hollywood Squares. <laughs> this is his, that was a great show. Great because that lunch <laughs> was the best. I I don't give a fuck whether it was but funny or not. But how were the lunch. jokes? <laughs> Terrible. But the yeah. lunch. <laughs> I'm not letting you out of here until you tell me the best egg cream in New York. Because I, the, first, first of all, the PBS show where you make the egg cream for the Japanese people, yes. hilarious. Thank you. That was unplanned. Really funny. That was. I didn't know what to do with these people, and uh, I didn't even think the scene was going very well because there was such a language barrier. Really great. And I had I had a, a interpreter and everything, and it was quite awkward actually until this moment where I just said I was actually said to the producers, "Why don't we wrap it up? I'll say goodbye," and I said. Uh, so nice being with you. Thank you. And I, I don't know why I thought to ask the patriarch of the family, this grandpa, what do you do for fun? Because he was kind of quiet yeah. the whole yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, oh, we have uh, champagne night. I said, really? What's that? He said, uh, I like champagne. This, by the way, I'm getting this through an interpreter. Yes. Yeah. I like champagne, and I pick a, choose a bottle from my collection, and we celebrate uh, the week with champagne. I said, isn't that beautiful? My house, we have egg cream night. Yeah. Uh, okay. And they lean forward. These just Japanese family. The the women are in kimonos. Oh, it was great. And in English, they say to me, "What is this egg cream?" Oh, and I laughed because I've never heard the word egg cream come from a Japanese person. <laughs> and and uh, I said, "Well, it's 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 
some milk and some chocolate syrup, and you stir that. And while you're stirring it, you add sparkling water. And as you stir it, a chemical reaction takes place, and a foam rises to the top of the glass. <laughs> and they, in unison, went, oh. <laughs> it's great television. And so I laugh because I've never heard that reaction. And I turn to the producers, and I go, I wish we could make egg creams for them if there was any way. And they go, Phil, you're not in the jungle. There's a supermarket across the street, right? Please get, and they bring in, cut to, milk, syrup, and thing, and I make these people egg creams. And I show them how to make it. And sure enough, when I pour the seltzer in and the foam rises, they all go, oh, <laughs> and they drink it on camera. It's great. And the lesson was, you think as a foreigner in another land, you have, you're an American. What do I have to offer this culture? Nothing. Except egg cream. We all have something. You think you have nothing to offer, you do. That one woman sipped it, and she could tell she, she was horrified. Well, well the bubbles. <laughs> she was trying. Oh, you know the what happened? Got to her. The bubbles went up her nose. I see. And so she went, ooh, ooh, but then looked at me when she saw I was looking <laughs> at her and gave on. me the okay's <laughs> big smile sign. I'll show you the clip. Yeah. It was adorable. Uh, Eisenberg's on the Flatiron District. Great. Has a great egg cream. Well, they know what they're doing. Russ and Daughters. Russ and Daughters. And I what took, about uh, Sammy's I, Romanian? Great. Yeah. All the, by the way, Sammy's Romanian, they leave you the seltzer you on the, the table. They give you the whole thing. They also leave vodka on the table the for you and a block of ice. Yeah, like the— You've been there, right? That was the, Yes. The old days of growing up, you ordered a malted, yeah. and they'd fill the glass and give you that metal extra picture. Cup. Yeah. Yes. Oh, because yeah. it wasn't an exact that. science, oh, yeah. and they knew there was going to be some extra, so why not give the customer that extra? Yeah, they never do that. It's now. such a psychologically great thing to do. They'd rather dump it down the sink than give it to you. It's true. <laughs> it's true. What's with people? You ever go to Mousseau and Franks and have a martini? Years ago. They give you a sidecar. Yes. With an extra martini in this little glass jar next to your martini and you think you got a free one <laughs> and you love them have and you, it happens to be the best martini have you been to the 83rd street luncheonette on lex you can sit at the old fountain oh you I can sit it. on the old stools Isn't and the fountain great? and get an egg cream which makes it taste better because you're actually does. in that you're in that don't environment. you love diners there's not that these see these things are dying they're diners dying. and Coffee bellies shops are dying. we have to support away. these things because yes. these are absolutely it's how i want to eat most of the time yeah. that's what i want I want a sandwich. I want a, I want a hot dog. <laughs> really, a burger. And I agree with you that Ratatouille is a wonderful movie about food. It, it has the best. Perfect movie. It has the best moment about food, if not life, ever in a movie, yeah, which just, is when he bites this food, the critic who's been a jerk, who happens to be Peter O'Toole, Peter by O'Toole. The way, And he flashes back to childhood. Yeah. Because that's everything in life. That's all we do is try to chase that feeling of childhood in every field and every thing we do. It's true. We don't even know that we're looking why for we're that, do, but we do why it. we're doing this. Yes, because it's fun and it reminds you of playing with your friends. Yeah. Right? Did you get to go to the park this time and sit on your bench? Of course. You and Monica? Of course, Good. every time. Wonderful. Wonderful. People can figure out what we're talking about if they watch Somebody Feed Phil. And if they're not watching it, what the hell's wrong with yeah. them? Exactly. <laughs> so we'll plug it. When does it come back? Probably in the summer, but you, you, you can see all of them. There's... 18 episodes between that and I'll Have What Phil's Having. They're all on Netflix. And uh, I hope you watch and I hope you'll write to Netflix and say, you people don't even know what you have here. (laughs) Well, 
We'll tell our <laughs> listeners to do that. It's a great the, – the sandwich in Cape Town was mind-blowing. Bl- mind That's called a Gatsby. I'm going to show sandwich. Gilbert. Well, tell him what's on that sandwich before Everything. we get out of here. That's a giant – it's, it's literally – it's, it's a, oh, the six-foot hoagie, but it's for you. With French fries on With the sandwich. With fries yeah. on the sandwich. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty great. It's ins- so we'll tell them to watch uh, watch somebody feed Phil. Uh, find the, your your feature, Exporting Raymond. Of course. Which is which is a lot of fun. Get the book. You're, you're lucky, lucky you're, you're funny. funny. You can get an audio book of it. It's very nice. It's like having me in the car with you for seven hours. Yes, <laughs> and if they want to hear the Jerry, the three Jerry Lewis stories, they're going to have to go back and listen to your first episode. <laughs> yes. Because that is a classic. Thank you. I've almost run out of cards. Look, what you have a lot of cards. How about, a, how about a, treating him to another one of your wonderful impressions of older comics? I love this. How oh. about a little Jackie Mason? Oh. This will make him happy. And this person over here is thinking, <laughs> oh, you're, you're so much better than I am. And he's looking at him going, <laughs> and it's thinking, you know, a Jew goes into a restaurant. <laughs> it's like he's the captain of a ship. I want that table over there. And that table has to be moved to the next window. And Look then, how happy he is. Then Myron Cohen would be like, an old Jewish man. <laughs> he, he's working in the same company <laughs> for 45 years. One, he always comes in 8 o'clock right on the dot. One day he comes in 9 o'clock. He's all bloody, his clothes are torn up, he's bleeding. The boss says, what happened to you? He said, I fell down a flight of stairs. I, it was horrible. I nearly died. And the boss says, so that took you an hour? <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to beat that, ladies not and gentlemen. Not going to top it. That's for you, awesome. Phil. Awesome. Thank you, pal. Thank you. This is fun. Uh, this has been Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and our return guest, Phil Rosenthal. Thank you, Phil. The sound of one hand clapping. Think about Problem Child tonight. Please sit down. in the When I eat, he gets a treat like a gonzo. He enjoys every meal, every bite that I steal. in the Some people like their pizza, some people like us so free. And others like hot pepper on everything they eat. You hunger with a woolly to taste some bacala. Then all at once you think, will I answer to Goomba? My lovely, lovely woman, I hate to see her cry. But when I start to manja, I get the evil eye. My woolly's getting stronger. Ah, the hell with my Goomba. That I get it from my woman, Keda Botsanaskyata. Ajita, my kumba in the banzo. When I eat, he gets a treat like the gonzo. He enjoys every meal, every bite that I steal. Ajita, my kumba in the banzo. Tasty veal and pepper. 
the side I know it gets confusing You just cannot decide But if you cross your Goomba There is not a place to hide So think about the Lavanza With that little man inside Ajita My Goomba in the Banzo When I eat He gets a treat like a Danzo He enjoys every meal Every bite Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santapadre, with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to John Fodiatis, John Murray, and Paul Rayburn. 